millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Welcome to episode 29. This is with my friend Siwat Thituatana. I know Siwat from my music days. He had a band called Siwat that I liked very much. And now he owns a delicious Thai food restaurant in Astoria, Queens called Mamu Thai Noodle. It's so good. He also is uh, running a food truck, not coincidentally, also called Mamu Thai Noodle Truck. So, you can check all that out. But you can't stream his noodles like you can his music. You gotta go to the restaurant or the food truck. Okay, I'm gonna keep this intro short because I am currently on the road recording this a week before it drops. I sure hope I'm having a good time right now. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's really fun. We hear about Thailand a bit, and we hear about his unique experiences. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with me, Matt Kaplan, and Siwat Zitiwatana. So do you, is it just like free flow? Do you guys have some questions? I'm going to have questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk about... I really want to talk about your upbringing in Thailand, mm-hmm. but I, I also want let's start let's start now and work ourselves backwards, okay? Okay. Let's start at the now. At the now, but not quite the now now because that's right now here <laughs> facing each other. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk now about yeah the general now because uh-huh. you own a restaurant and a food truck. Yes. And this is interesting, I think, to I think it may be interesting to a lot of people because a lot of people think about it or it's part of their lives. Right. What made you decide to own and operate a food truck, and how hard is this business? That's a good question. I, it is well. First, it's it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the hardest thing you've ever done, as far as like making a profit or just the work. Both, uh, physically demanding, um, yeah, psychologically demanding. I mean, yeah, and monetarily too. It, it's just so much hard work goes into 
I think any small business, but certainly food business. Yeah. Why? Because everything goes bad eventually? It doesn't stay long? Well, I mean, if you have a food truck, logistically, it's a nightmare. I mean, where, where are you going to store all that food uh, overnight? Right. Where are you going to prep all that food? I mean, the truck can, sure, it has a kitchen and some counter space, but I mean, if you're going to sell food in volume and try to actually make a profit... Where are you gonna prep all that food? Yeah, it's and not store really. It? And where are you gonna where are you gonna park it? Where are you gonna clean it? Mm-hmm. Where are you gonna fill the water? Where are you gonna get propane? Where are you gonna, you know, a lot of logistics. A lot of logistics. How yeah. do food trucks do that? Because it seems like they always in the same spot. Well, uh, I mean, this uh, New York City, you you have to you have a permit, and we can get into that. That's that's kind of you have a permit whatever. for a specific spot. No, you have a permit citywide usually. Um, that that runs two years at a time, and it it kind of says that you can park anywhere in the city except for metered spots, mm-hmm. even commercially zoned metered spots. You are not allowed to park and sell from. What about fire hydrant areas? Fire, well, it's still fire hydrant, so you can't park there. Okay. So we have these permits that allow us to park in the city, but not at non-metered spots. But metered spots in high traffic areas are about ninety percent of the city. So technically, yeah. I have a permit on my truck to sell food, but I have nowhere to park because everywhere I park, I'm liable to get a ticket or be kicked out or be towed away. Even though you're inside the truck, because you're standing. Yes, you're. St- yeah, you're. We're inside the truck, and we could get a ticket at any time uh-huh. um, for any of those reasons. Either selling, uh, vending uh, merchandise from a metered spot—that's a ticket—or not paying the meter. Uh, right. You know. If we're too close to a hydrant, just like anybody else. So here in New York City, there seems to be the same trucks in the same spots all the time. Right. Because well, a lot of trucks will just, you know, find a spot and, and do well there and just keep going there or cultivating that spot. And How do they keep it? How do they get it? Why is no one parked there every day? Uh, it, it's pretty cutthroat. Most, most trucks will have a, a spotter car spend their spend all night there oh really like is a, that how they do it yeah a spotter car right like they'll have a van that parks there overnight and saves them the spot i didn't know mm-hmm. that or yeah or they get there you know in the summer on 47th and park you know most days there's at least eight to ten trucks on that one block and almost all of those trucks before before 5 a.m there's already eight trucks waiting just to open at 11 right. just for the spot so they're there like you know crack of dawn before the crack of dawn, way before. So that's part of the hustle, having that's the spotter car. Exactly. That's also part of the hustle. So if you're an owner of a food truck, are you going to spend the time waiting in that car? Or are you going to hire someone? How much are you going to pay that guy hours and hours just to sit in the car or a truck waiting to open at 11? And then there's there's food carts that are able to go on the sidewalk. So if you don't have wheels, you can put your food cart on the sidewalk? Is that Right. Food carts are parked on sidewalks, yeah. What percentage of your time is spent in the truck? Now? Yeah. Uh, well, this is our third year of operation. I'm really not on the truck at all anymore. Um, I'm only there if, if it's emergency or like someone's called out and I, can, and I can't find a chef, so I have to go and cook on the truck. But uh, I'm really not on the truck on a daily basis at all. Is that because you've branched out to a restaurant and you're, you're there? Right. Uh, we, we now have a restaurant in Astoria. Um, Will you tell us the name of the restaurant and the truck? Sure. Mamu Thai Noodle uh, yes. is the name of the truck and the restaurant. So yeah. you, you call them both Mamu Thai because yeah. it's the same food. 
It is. Well, the truck is a noodle truck, and we only sell the noodle dishes off the truck. Uh, at the restaurant, it's a, a bigger menu. Same noodle dishes. Same noodle but. dishes and a few other dishes as well, like mm-hmm. curries and, and barbecue and stuff like that. Which is harder, the truck or the restaurant? I think the restaurant would be harder. Yes. In a way, the restaurant is harder. Um, Even though it's stationary, you already got your spot. Right. We have our spot, <laughs> but then then again, you have to grow that spot unless you're like on a high foot traffic area, in, in which case we are not. Mm-hmm. We've been open now for a year and a half, and it's... It's been a struggle, uh, which is different than the truck. When I first opened the truck, it seemed, you know, we were the first and still the only noodle truck on the on the streets. So on the scene, on the scene, right? We're the only Thai noodle truck on this in the city. And and when we first opened, it just seemed to take off. Like it just seemed like the market wanted it. People wanted this, and and wherever we went, we did pretty well. And, and the truck, I mean, I've seen it. It's like really a spectacle for the eyes. It's paint, <laughs> painted beautifully. Thanks. Yeah, that's uh, my friend Carl uh, came up with uh, the logo, and and yeah, he did a great job. It's definitely a part of you know you have to think about how you're going to attract people to your truck. You know, right? It's, it's it's something you definitely have to think about. So do you have certain spots where the Mammutai truck always goes? Yes. Well, uh, every Friday we're in Dumbo on, on Jay and Water Street. Do you always get that spot? We Well, that's a situation where we pay the owner of that. It's like a, it's basically a parking lot. Oh, okay. And we pay them to, to be there for the day. In, in noodles? <laughs> not in, no, not in, no. They want cold hard cash. Uh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, w- when you say we, you mean your business partners or your your wife? Who, who's uh, who's the we? Well, uh, my at first in the beginning when we first started, we was me and my sister who uh, helped out a lot getting the truck off the ground and working. But uh, and and as well at the restaurant. But now she's branched off to, to do other things and and now you I'm fired married. your sister <laughs> <laughs> uh, no more or less no i she it was we weren't making enough money first of all like she came from the corporate world of of cosmetics and right and was making pretty good money doing that she's used to real money she's used to real money and and you know starting a restaurant or working in the food business certainly in the beginning you're not making any real money yeah they say restaurants are one of the hardest businesses to do they have such a high failure rate right right they do uh i mean they say you know fashion and food and Mm -hmm. and and music too right i mean music is so it's so low they probably don't even count it right well yeah (laughs) i mean that's how i met you through music yeah and and i basically went from one kind of you know not career because I was doing other things as well, but yeah. you know, one world where it's hard to make money to another world where it's still hard to make money. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know we talked about this, but like being a musician is such great training for everything else because you set yourself up for so much effort and so little success. <laughs> right, that everything else after pursuing music is easier. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah, in a, in a sense, yes. Um, I mean, I'm definitely better at making money with food than I was with music. Easier to do that. (laughs) (laughs) People ain't going to stream no noodles. (laughs) Right. You you went from zero to some. (laughs) Right, exactly. Zero, yeah, to a little little amount. Yeah. (laughs) Or negative. Well, Well, that depends how you look at it, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) No matter what you do, it's great to see a return on your energy. Yes, it is, but you don't 
you don't always, you know, I mean, I, I think opening a business, you have to like really try to avoid making expensive mistakes because mm. they, they can kill you and they will kill you. Uh, and early on you have to recognize like what it's a risk in itself to start any business, but like what other risks are you going to take after you've started Right, like expanding. You, right, like expanding. Like, yeah. did, you know, I often ask myself, do we expand too soon? Because it's it's been a real struggle ever since we've opened. Uh, just because we're not on like a main street kind of, we're kind of off, you mm-hmm. know, uh, further of a, away than, than, you know, a main street like Broadway or Steinway in, in, in Astoria. Right. We're on 36th Avenue and 36th Street, by the way. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, I don't know, what was I saying? <laughs> Well, it's hard to find uh, restaurants are very hard, but do you think that maybe expanding you, you had the truck first, uh-huh. which was very successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you decided to, how come you decided to do a, a restaurant instead of another truck? Uh, I imagine the restaurant serves the truck in it, a way. It does. It, it, it definitely acts as our uh, headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the restaurant, you know, before the restaurant, I used to rent a, a commercial kitchen in, in East Williamsburg. Right. So that cuts off that expense. Right. And, and I wanted to, and I realized after the first year of the truck, how hard it was to run a truck during the winter. Oh, right. And we were just not open every day. And, and I felt like, wow, we really need to, I really need to have a, a space where I can be open all year, you know? Right. Uh, not just be so seasonal. And and so that that played a part in it as well. Um, Why is it hard to have the truck during the winter? Because uh, less the weather. Custom- I mean, you know, New less York customers. City, le- less customers. I mean, I would say our our business goes down thirty to forty percent during the winter because people don't want to wait for their food. Exactly, outside. they don't want to stand outside. They don't want to be outside. You know, we we've been fortunate this winter to have a pretty mild one, but mm-hmm. the past two or three years it's been pretty rough. The winter how hard would it be to put a tarp out like a heated area in <laughs> uh-huh. front of the truck where people can stand uh i mean then you'd have to you know power it somehow right how yeah. are you gonna power that you know we we run off a generator like all the electric equipment in the truck like the fridge and the hood and right. and all those things run off our generator but do you have enough electricity to heat something yeah i, mean, I like, think in, in the uh tacos del bronco truck near me in sunset park they have during the colder weather they have like one of those kind of like vinyl little encasings right. with a like a floor heater in there right. i mean it's good when you're ordering your food you can't hang out right. there and eat but it probably helps a little bit it does and and also i mean that's something you can pro- you can get away with mm-hmm. in brooklyn sunset park or in some parts of queens that you can set up like basically a tent right but you know you're not going to get away with that in midtown manhattan they will chase you off the street right right yeah you know yeah so with thai food which is Uh what you serve yeah i guess there's uh thai food that's more authentic and one that is more catered to americans or new yorkers like for example and correct me if i'm wrong like there are places in certain parts of queens that like i've been to Uh and it's so spicy like my mouth is burning from eating a salad right I mean, sir, I mean, I don't know. I don't like to be too, uh, you know, judgmental about who's authentic and who's not. I think, you know, you can add spice to anything and just add a lot of it and call it authentic. You know, does mm-hmm. does does being more spicy make it authentic? I don't really know. Um, I think it's just a matter of taste. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 
Does, well, I, I guess um, I like is, that answer. Are you? And I, I'm not trying to trap you into anything or insult, you no, know, no, white no, white no, people no. or anything. But is it <laughs> is like? Do you, is your dishes? Are they you know something from your 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 family, your childhood? They or, are. Yeah. Um, well, the the whole idea of the truck um, before I started it, I was in um, I was at a noodle shop in Bangkok with my uncle, and we were eating these noodles and. And I think we had about seven bowls each, literally, literally uh-huh. seven bowls. And it was just so good. And I, I remember at that moment uh, thinking, you know, why can't, it, why can't we get noodles like this in New York? Do you know why? Did you figure out why? Did I figure out why? No, I, I never really did. I, was, I just thought, I, I just knew that it wasn't really that available. Yeah. And so uh, I said, why not? Why not try it? Well, it's hard Out to know. Truck. <laughs> right. It's hard to know. Like, you know, they say New York pizza, New York bagels, and people guess that it's the water that makes it unique to here. Right. But yeah, there's some ingredients that only grow locally. Yeah. And I, well, I think what struck me about how good those noodles were in Thailand that I was eating was just the freshness. It's just so super fresh and, and fresh rice noodles. You can really tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we do. You know, every morning, literally, uh, I have someone pick up fresh rice noodles at mm-hmm. this noodle factory in Elmhurst. Mm-hmm. And that's what we hand cut every morning and we serve at the restaurant and, and, and at the truck. The noodles are made fresh every day? The noodles are made fresh every day. Wow, yeah. neat. How do you know, like, how do you test your recipes? How, do you, how did you get them to a place where you're happy with? Uh, well, a lot of the noodle recipes are from my uncle's noodle shop. Uh, he had his noodle shop in Bangkok. Oh, okay. Or, or he had one. Uh huh. He passed him... away, but oh, yeah, I'm sorry he to hear had that. one. And so he was. You killed him. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Actually, he was here when I when I first, uh, you know, opened the truck, and he was for a month. We were cooking his recipes. Oh, cool! And just testing it out and testing the differences between the sauces here and the sauces that we could get from Thailand, and mm-hmm. and trying to match, you know, what we could. Um. So. It, it you know he's he spent a while here helping me do that with his recipes and we've come up with some of our own recipes as well and yeah. how, do you do you do like a focus group kind of thing or do you- yeah well i mean for for over a year my my neighbors were eating like free new thai noodles like every every week right <laughs> so yeah a lot of my neighbors were were recipes of that so you're just getting an idea of what they like or just yeah just giving them you know at first it was like oh awesome you you give me all these noodles and then after a while they i think they were then they were like more objective like okay i can tell the difference between this and this right and they would be able to give me more constructive criticism rather than being like oh this is great yeah whenever i've worked i used to work in restaurants and I always like working around a certain food all day or all night. I never wanted to eat that food at the end. Right, <laughs> it's true. You when and you kind of forget to eat uh, if you're cooking all day. Yeah, you're kind of tasting things and you're and you forget to actually sit down and have an actual meal. And it's then, such a high high stress, fast paced environment. It, it definitely is. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, with that, employees traditionally. Uh, restaurant employees aren't necessarily the most responsible people. Are you hiring people that you, you try to hire people you know, or just random people? Or that's one of the hardest things is dealing with employees uh-huh. um, and and people's personalities, and and nobody really tells you about how difficult that can be. You know, before you open a business, no one really, you know, you because you well, you're the boss now, right? And you have to understand how to become a boss and and it took me a while i'm still learning every day like yeah. how to become a real boss and not just you know 
someone that tells people what to do or, or someone that's too nice, you know, or too, too much of a, of a prick or something like that. Yeah. It's a very fine line. And, and it's because you want to motivate them to do a good job without right. bossing them. Right. And, and I think that, I mean, I think that having, uh, a, a good system for people to follow is super important like most people, you would think that if you just leave people alone, and, and in the beginning I thought, you know, all right, let me hire people who have experience in uh-huh. restaurants and food trucks. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning, the very beginning, I was hiring people who had more food truck experience than I did. Mm-hmm. And so I would just leave them to it. And then I realized, no, this is a recipe for disaster. Just, you know, people just did whatever they wanted and that was not good. Right. Because you know, most people's ideas or... or motivations aren't the same as any owners you know um, you, you want to get a somewhat of a system it's it's i think it's hugely important if you start a business to have a system before you even start mm-hmm. uh, before you even go into business you got to know who's going to do this who's going to do that what you're willing to do what you're not willing to do right uh, and daily operations there should be a systematic approach to daily operations that's how you get something running really well right yeah, my friend worked for Starbucks for maybe a week or 10 uh-huh. days, and he was telling me that you really just have no brain, what, no independent brain whatsoever when you work for a Starbucks. Right. I mean, they treat their employees okay, right? but you're told exactly what to say, and they'll even send in spies to make sure you're doing exactly the same thing really? that you're supposed to. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, I think that if you just leave people up to their own they go devices. rogue. They go rogue. I mean, they're, they're, you know, there are very few people who will like have great imaginations and, and bring ambitious ideas to the table, but most people are just there to get paid and go home. Right. Well, uh, that's interesting that you'd say that. I mean, do you welcome that? Because like, if you go to any Starbucks, they'll never, no matter how many, how many times you say, can I have a small or a medium coffee, they'll never say, oh, medium coffee. Always repeat, grande or whatever. Right. Do I, I do welcome creative people and ideas because i i think that's i coming from music mm-hmm. uh you know i, I like people bringing ideas things mm-hmm. that i haven't thought of because i also feel like as an owner i'm too inside my head right and i have so many things that i'm worrying about at all times you know not just the quality of the food but you know the next event with the truck or the next catering because we we've expanded our catering pretty widely as well um, right, like having a stuff. band, you get the input, and your song becomes a a thing perhaps greater than you had ever expected. Right, when exactly. You get, when you get this good collaboration, right, and then that's you know I've just recently hired a manager because I was just there was just too much work for me. Are you do. a control freak? Are you able to let the manager just manage? He he accuses me of being a control mm-hmm. freak. Yes, uh-huh. yes, he does. Well, it is tricky because you hire a manager, but you can't just close your eyes and let them do their job. You got to kind of watch right. over. Right, I mean, right, because this is not like. It's not like I have a bunch of investors that put money in. Like this is, you know, mostly my money, right? My family's money. So this is a big, you know, if this fails, it's 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 gonna be hard. <laughs> well, this is the first time you're doing something like this, right? So and we're still alive three years later. So exactly. Thank, thankfully, yes. <laughs> and it only gets easier. The first time's always the hardest. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's easier. Uh, I think you just become more numb. uh, well maybe you make better decisions right i hope that i'm making better decisions right uh i become more you know when i used when problems used to occur it used to affect me and us but so much and you know affect my mood but now it's like okay problem happened what can we do to solve it is there anything we can do right if there's not okay what can we learn from it 
Yeah, that makes sense. Rather than like being like, oh, my day is ruined, or oh, you know, <laughs> the, we, you know, if the truck breaks down uh, now, I mean, uh, it costs a lot of money to take the truck out. You know, uh, employees have to be paid. Right. Food is wasted or not. You know what I mean? Right. And it used to just if the truck broke down, it would, and it was still, it still kind of, it still buzzed me out greatly. But it used to like you know ruin my day, and I would be like yeah. not able to think. You know, clearly the rest of the day because of it. That gets easier, yeah. Do you feel that like uh, dealing with these th- things in business, these obstacles, are you able to translate them into your e- everyday life of you know your your marriage, raising a child? Do you feel like okay, I, I've dealt with a staff of crazy waiters and waitresses, right. raising it's, a kid is easy. He beats now. his wife and child. <laughs> That's how he. <laughs> no, my wife left me, and now <laughs> she left the child no. too, just because she hates me. <laughs> It's uh, it's hard uh, to separate uh, personal life and business life. You know, I live four doors down from the restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of on, no, it was definitely on purpose. I wanted to live close, right? Um, when we before we opened the restaurant, my wife was pregnant, and I knew, and we were living in Brooklyn at the time, and we were building the restaurant in Astoria, and just driving back and forth from the, you know, building the restaurant to Brooklyn. And it just, I knew that if we had a baby, you know, it just takes too long. It'd be a lot, yeah. So we moved right next to the restaurant. And, and it makes it, I think being closer helps, but it also makes it harder to separate personal life and mm-hmm. business life because I'm always kind of there. It's like when you take a walk with your wife and child, you just walk the other way, right? <laughs> away, away from the restaurant. Right, away <laughs> from the restaurant. Uh <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't know how to answer that question because it's hard for me to separate right okay. now, at least at this time. You know, I we you know last year, yeah, two thousand two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. we moved, we moved to Queens. Yeah, we had a baby and we opened a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, so we did all those three things. Well, you know, we moved we moved in April, we opened the restaurant in May, and we had a baby in June. It's a lot. It's a lot, and and you know. I got a haircut I, I, and I bought a new <laughs> pair of jeans. <laughs> right. And that used to be my life too. And then I wish, you know, that those are the halcyon days of just hanging out. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's fun. I, I miss that immensely. Yeah. You know, that's another thing. If you start a business, you have to be willing to really go for it. And, you know, Gary, you and I haven't seen each other very often yeah. uh, since I've opened. You ditched our friendship for a wife and kid <laughs> in a business. <laughs> or you just hate my new pair of jeans. <laughs> I don't know. It was your haircut. <laughs> that, no, I didn't think of the haircut. Uh, no, uh, you know, doing just any one of those three things, opening a restaurant, having a kid, or moving to Queens, right. you, most people would lose about 60% of their friends. <laughs> you just know, with, yeah. I, I did all three within three months and, you know, haven't seen any friends well, since. Hearing, hearing you say this kind of reminds me of uh, how I've evolved with freelancing because I've been freelancing for many years now. Uh-huh. But at first, I used to panic every month that I wouldn't be able to make bills. Or if I did had a really good month, I'd spend that money and be like, woo And then the next month, I'd panic. Uh-huh. So now, I budget every three months. So okay. if I have a good month, I, mean, I put it away. Right. And then every three months, I'll kind of evaluate my expenses to see what I can afford to, to, to do, do or not do. Right. Yeah. And that just comes with experience. And I think that's is very similar to, to business, you know, and, and I'm trying to get used to that as well. That, mm-hmm. you know, the restaurant or the food business is, is definitely cyclical and it definitely goes in waves. And, and right now is kind of the you know, quote unquote slow time, 
you know, whether you're doing a food truck or doing a restaurant, you know, the winters is generally... Uh, people just go out less? People go out less and people, yeah, people tend to cook more at home and, and you know, mm-hmm. not spend money. Right. Yeah. Are you doing more deliveries though? Uh, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Definitely more than this time last year. Yeah. Uh, so that's helpful. And and for catering, is that actually driving the food truck right to a party? Uh, that's or, just or one of that, the aspects of catering. Okay. We also do office catering where I work with catering agencies and they get us, you know, jobs all over the city with, you know, a bunch of different companies like Spotify or Dropbox and we'll feed a hundred people at this oh, office and, you know, 50 people at another office. So you, you just know. put their meal in the cloud and they download it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we feed a lot of those offices, you know, now. Yeah, that's, that's also another thing like catering. I never even thought about catering before we opened the truck and and when you know when we opened the restaurant, I was like, oh, now we can grow the catering, um, and it's really grown into its own thing. So, I'm, so this I'm is really, really grateful. like you have like three separate businesses at least. You have the yeah. food truck, you have the restaurant, and you have the catering. Right. So now it's yeah we it's three streams of revenue now. Right. Um, and right now the, the catering is kind of carrying the weight of you know mm-hmm. the the slowness of the food truck and the the slowness of the restaurant. So, yeah, catering is definitely carrying us right now. That's and the goal is, you know, when I opened, I said, okay, the goal is to have the truck running, you know, rocking and rolling. Yeah. The restaurant open and you're doing well. Yeah. And catering goes out, you know. And, and a lot of times we will have that, you know. Two teams going out to deliver at two different offices in the city. The truck is selling on in, in the city somewhere and the restaurant is open. Right. Are you yeah. thinking about moving the restaurant to a more popular area if you can? I don't know. I, well, I don't have the money <laughs> to right. do that. But the neighborhood that I'm in, in Astoria, it's like kind of the border of Astoria, Long Island City. Even in the year that I've been there, it's totally changing. And oh, I can okay. see the change. Like, I, I kind of feel like we're, we've been part of that change. Yeah. You're the um, pioneers? I wouldn't say pioneers, but yeah, we were definitely early. Yeah. Early so adopters. So walking traffic is developing slowly? It's developing slowly. Uh, across the street, uh, this guy opened up the ukulele hut. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's New York City's only ukulele shop. Like, only they only sell ukuleles. Wow. Yeah. Um, we work. Hey, if he can stay in business, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty ballsy to open it up only... Only ukuleles. Very. Um, very well, nice guy, Ken. 20 years ago, probably someone thought it would be silly to open up a Thai restaurant. <laughs> yeah, probably. Is that kind of a new thing, the introduction of Thai food? I, I don't think, not anymore, certainly not in New York. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, new, uh, Thai food is has been pretty well known and, and, and adopted by New Yorkers for at least 30 years, now, I think. I would see it becoming more and more popular because it doesn't deal with a lot of wheat. It deals well, with a lot of rice instead. That's true. I mean, gluten, there's a lot of gluten-free dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, now Thai food is is so, like, kind of normal that now you have movements of, like, all right, it's not just a Thai restaurant. It's a northern Thai restaurant. Right. So, like, they, they have northern Thai dishes and mm. southern Thai dishes and, you know what I mean? And yeah. Like, it's getting uh, more nuanced. Right. It's getting more nuanced. And, and now you have restaurants that specialize in, in certain uh, regions' food, you know? Did you feel like uh, when you started the food truck, that went well immediately? 
were you worried that you're expanding too fast by doing the restaurant you never you ever think of just doing another truck um yeah i mean we 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 may be doing another food cart actually we may be doing a food cart uh mm-hmm. sometime this year cool uh i don't know if i could do another food truck only because in new york city it's so hard to to have a truck and run a truck there's a lot of food, more food trucks than ever, right? There's there's a lot of food. It's not so much the competition that that worries me. It's it's the, all the regulations and all the fines that we get and tickets and you know having two food trucks meaning means you're gonna find two parking spots every day, right? You know you gotta have two teams every day. Uh, with a with a cart, it's actually a little bit easier. You you park it on the sidewalk and then. When you're done, you put it back onto the lift and you drive it away. Right, much easier, I would yeah. imagine. Um, but I, I don't know about opening another restaurant in the city, but I actually wanted to open a restaurant in Westchester where uh-huh. I grew up. So I, I, that's my goal is actually to move out of the city. Well, it gets easier once you, if you call it Mamutai, you basically just copy what you did right. somewhere else, right? Right. I mean, my goal is to get out of the city, and I don't want to live in the city forever. You don't. It's just getting too hard. To well, I hear it. raising a kid in the city is so crazy expensive. It, I think, yeah, definitely. Raising a kid anywhere, but certainly in New York City, <laughs> in the know. United States, yeah. <laughs> raising a kid on Earth is is pretty pretty yeah you know, expensive. Now you grew up in Thailand, right? I well, no, I my family's from Thailand. I mm-hmm. was born here. You're born but here. I, I spent probably every summer or every other summer in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at your wedding. Yes. And it was such a cool, beautiful ceremony. It was a Buddhist ceremony, right? Yes. What branch of Buddhism is it? It's a Theravada Buddhism. Theravada? Yeah, which is the which is probably the most popular form of Buddhism in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it it's rooted in Thailand? It's rooted in Thailand. Um it's kind of the old interpretation of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you grow up with that? I yes, I did grow up with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember you telling me once that your parents made you uh, beg. Huh? You, your parents made you uh, beg. Is, is begging the word? Beg or asking for uh, change as a form of way of teaching humility? Uh, I don't remember. Was that me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I they didn't ask me to beg or anything. I think no. I grew up going to Sunday school at. Buddhist temples, right? Uh, well, there was one Buddhist temple in Mount Vernon in Westchester uh, that I used to attend every Sunday. Uh-huh. And you know, uh, part of Buddhist culture is when a, when a male turns eighteen or older, he can go and ordain as a monk to learn more about Buddhism. And that's something I did. And uh, I went back to Thailand and ordained as a monk and lived in a monastery uh-huh. for a short time. How uh, long? It was did about. You- Six weeks. Six weeks in yeah. one shot. Yeah. So what what in, what does that entail? I mean, I know this is so different than running a restaurant in Astoria, but I'm <laughs> kind of fascinated. Yeah. This is like totally opposite world. This is yeah. This is another life. Yeah. Uh, what does that entail? Well, I, yeah, I, like I, I becoming or first of all, monks are they don't they they give up all sex and right they don't have yeah. any uh, they don't really even take in much stimulation at all. Right. You're yeah. You give up. You give all up everything, stuff. All, all worldly possessions, and and you shave your head, and you shave your eyebrows, and eyebrows and, too, huh? Yeah, you shave your eyebrows. Uh-huh. No facial hair. Uh, I uh, what I did was I just I studied uh, with a monk. Uh, you know, all the chants were uh, 
in Sanskrit, mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh, a dead language now. Nobody speaks it, but uh, all the chants are in Sanskrit. So kind of like English. To, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of like English. I had to learn it phonetically. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, to learn all the chants and, and know the meanings. You, so and you learned the meanings? The meanings I learned them? a lot of the meanings, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking, this was 2002. See, I was bar mitzvah, and they do the same thing to us, but we don't know what we're saying. You know, <laughs> you know everyone learns you know? all this Hebrew stuff. You have to learn to le- read all this Hebrew, and then you repeat it at your bar mitzvah, but... I don't know any Jews that know what they're saying. <laughs> that they don't know the meaning, you mean? They don't know what they're saying. They have no idea. And they just do it because it's tradition. You just do it. Right. And of course, me being me and rebellious, at, even at that age, I was like, I don't want to, I, I want to know what I'm saying. And they'd always, just learn it. I'm like, well, if you're not going to tell me what I'm saying, uh-huh. I kind of got the feeling the rabbi didn't even know. So uh, literally, he wrote it out phonetic. He was so frustrated with me that he wrote it out phonetically. Uh-huh. And I just read this whole Hebrew stuff phonetically. Uh-huh. And I still don't know what I was saying. Still- I'm sure you could have easily found it. I mean, very often uh, when, when you're learning, it'll have one page in Hebrew and then the opposite side in English translation. But Not he, mine. No. He, it, it's in Hebrew, though, right? It's I all mean, in people Hebrew. still yeah. speak Hebrew, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they do. Yeah. So I guess Israeli kids know what they're saying then. Yes, <laughs> they probably do. But every, hey, you all better. you Jews on Long Island, you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> right. It is just tradition that it's following. I, yeah. I mean, I did it to make my mom happy. So. Right. So, so when you were going through this training, was there a part of you at the time was, that was considering a religious life? Or, or is it more of just a traditional thing that you wanted to do for your, yourself and your family? Right. It, it was more of that traditional thing. I mean, I, it's still to this day one of the best things I have ever done. Uh, I think I, it was just, it helped me really focus on life and, and, you know, kind of take away a lot of distractions that were in my head, certainly at that time in my life. What does your average day look like in the Buddhist temple? In the Buddhist temple? When you were doing um, that. When I was there, uh, you wake up before the sun comes up, around 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then you uh, gather with the other monks and you chant in the morning, um, also before the sun comes up. <clears throat> and then probably around 7 a.m., you then, 6, 7 a.m., you go and you walk, uh, you you uh, carry your alms bowl and you walk through the neighborhood barefoot. What's an alms? Alms? Alms, yeah. Alms. Like What's giving alms? alms. Giving alms. Uh, so, like, you know, in, in, it's hard to say. in, alms. <laughs> in Thai Buddhism, uh, in the monks walk around the neighborhood with a bowl, uh, alms bowl, and people would come uh, in front of their houses and, and give food to the monks because the monks are not allowed to prepare food and they're not allowed to cook food. Okay. So, and they can only eat once a day. And if nobody came out to give you food, then you wouldn't eat for the day. Wow. Um, so it was kind of like a cyclical thing where the people would come knowing that the monks only eat once a day and, and get food in their, in their alms bowl. Right. And that would bring karma, good karma to them for, for doing that. Uh huh. So we can't possibly live in a world where everybody's a monk. Otherwise, we'd all starve. <laughs> well, you, probably, yeah. I mean, you'd have to rely on the kindness of other people. Not if everyone was a monk. <laughs> <laughs> not if, not, yeah, right. If 100% of the people were monks, right. Plus, if everyone was a monk, everything would be all peaceful and there would be nothing to chant or meditate about. <laughs> we'd just be there, right? <laughs> right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you still, uh, are you still practicing this meditation? Um, I do. 
uh, I still meditate, not nearly as much as I used to. Now I only seem to meditate when I kind of feel extra stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a time in my life where I was meditating every day, you know, multiple times a day. I mean, six weeks, that's a long time. Is it silence? Uh, You're no, not there in silence. I, I didn't take a vow of silence. Um, I was there really to learn uh, from other monks mm-hmm. uh, the philosophy of, of Buddhism. And, and it taught me a lot about just, you know, focusing. And I think, you know, a lot of people, when I came back, a lot of my friends were like, oh, so what's the meaning of life? Right. And what's the meaning of, you know, what does it all mean? And I didn't really have an answer at the, you know, right when I got back. But then the more I thought about it, I, I felt like it was just about letting go of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going for it because, you know, you're alive. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think, I, you know, at that time, I had no inklings of opening a business or or anything like that. I I, I never thought about that. Um, but I think it helped me get over the fear of just going for it, you know? Anything. Uh, anything. It yeah. Didn't, you know, that, that was, I guess, the message from that time that I took. Well, a six-week interval is a long time, right? So how many times did you do this? Do what? Did you do it more than once? Uh, what's that? Go to the Buddhist temple. I, I, I lived at the Buddhist temple. For six weeks. For six weeks, yeah, in Thailand. Uh, right. I ordained in Thailand, yeah. Just the one time? Just once, yeah. Okay. You didn't go back again? N- no. I mean, I, I've said, I said it back then that I would do it again. Yeah. And some people do do it, mm-hmm. you know, couple times in their life yeah when they kind of want to refocus and re re-establish you know what what it all means i guess <laughs> now you said it's the best time in your life is that because it just it simplified things it it really did you know in the beginning it was really hard you know you mm-hmm. you're hungry what you can't eat you you know you're you have all these thoughts and, and, and cravings cravings and distractions. And then you realize, you know, you're there to just learn and, and breathe. Right. <laughs> you know? So after a while, you just got used to not like you weren't after a while, I wasn't hungry anymore. Cause I knew we can only eat at a certain time and we can only eat if people brought us food. Mm-hmm. So why think about food? Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't focus on your hunger. Yeah. Focus on something else. Yeah. You know, focus on the moment you're in. Yeah. It's amazing, right? When you do that, how you realize how powerful the mind is. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. Completely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like in my time of meditation, I'd think that, oh, I had to move because I, I had an itch or something was uncomfortable in my back. Uh-huh. Then you just observe it and you don't itch or move and it goes away. It's gone. Right. I I think about that with itches all the time. And I'm like, oh, I'm just not going to scratch it. But then, of course, you like. You give in. Yeah, yeah. Because you just start obsessing about (laughs) it. Yeah. It is such a metaphor. The itch. Yeah. Yeah. The itch is a metaphor. Yeah. But I think when the in the Buddhism that I studied, which is Indian based, is mm-hmm. like you just observe it. You don't quantify it uh-huh. or qualify it. You just be like, "Oh yeah, I see that itch," uh-huh. but you don't say, "Oh, I'm itchy." You just notice that I'm feeling an itch. You just acknowledge it and yeah. and try to move forward from it. Yeah, and it yeah. just always went away. Yeah, and it's amazing how it could sit in an uncomfortable Indian position <laughs> for hours. For hours. Yeah. No back support. Nothing. Do you still meditate? I try to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's not easy. Uh, you know, especially living in New York. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of distractions. 
you know, people are always calling you to do stuff or hang out here. Go well, that's not there. the case with me. But. <laughs> <laughs> or for me, it's, now it's not that either. Uh, nobody calls me to do anything anymore. Now it's just, you know, oh, my God, do we have enough money to pay this utility bill? <laughs> or do we have enough money to pay these employees? Or right. do we have enough food? When to, I, when I know, do sell? meditate, though, it does make my time more productive. Like sometimes sure. it's so hard to do it because it's like, oh, I don't have 20 minutes to give to this. Uh-huh. But then if I do give my 20 minutes to it, the rest of my day is way more uh, productive and powerful for sure. whatever I'm doing. It, yeah, it's, it's crazy how if you just quiet your mind, how much better your day can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So how old were you? You were 18 when you did this? No, this happened in 2002. So oh, okay. uh, that was what, 14 years ago? Let's I was, see, math. Nah. <laughs> I don't have my calculator like, on me. I was uh, like 27. Okay, so you're old enough to know what's going on. Yeah, I think. I yeah. hope. You well, why at that age or that point in your life did you do that? Well, growing up, I kind of, you know, in the beginning, going to Sunday school, you, you kind of get like, oh, God, do we have to go? But then the more I went, the more I was curious and I knew that it was something I wanted to do. It wasn't just, it just seemed like the right time in my life at that time. Was it always part of the path that you knew eventually you were, is it like your bar mitzvah or your journey to Mecca? Is it that kind of thing? No, because, well, no, because I guess when you're a bar mitzvah, it's a certain age. Right, yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, this was like, uh, after you turned 18, you could do it or you, you could not. Like, mm. My father didn't do this, but I I kind of felt like I wanted to. For you wanted reason. to? Yeah. I wanted to know more yeah. about it. Yeah. And you're glad you did it. I'm super glad I did it. Would you go back and do it if you could? Yes, I would. Yeah. I would if I had the opportunity. But now life just seems so busy and, and, and it just, for me to walk away for six weeks or more, you know, even even two weeks is like hard, very hard for me to step away from. Yeah, my life right now. Yeah, from the, so the sound of it, 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 I'm amazed that you're even here for a couple of hours doing this. <laughs> it's very difficult, but <laughs> yeah. like, like I said, now I've, I've hired a manager not yeah. too long ago, and you know he's got to handle this because it's just too much for me. Right. Well, they say a good leader knows how to delegate well. Right, and I'm I'm trying to be a good leader. Yeah. <laughs> Is your wife Amy helping with the restaurant business at all? No, and that was a conscious decision uh, in the beginning when we opened the truck. I said. You know, at first she got a mobile vendor license so she could work on the truck with uh-huh. me if I needed. But then I said very early on, I said, no, there's no way. You have to do what you do, which she's a photo editor at yeah. the magazine. And uh, just let's keep it separate or else we're going to end up divorced. Yeah, I think that's smart because then the yeah. walls start to close in. Last thing you want to be doing is lying in bed at night talking about the business. Right. right? And, and that was a very conscious decision because I knew that if we worked together, and live together, it would just be recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Whisper me sweet tax breaks. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it'd be hard. And that was the thing with me uh, dating another musician. It's very hard to mm. do that. The walls start to close in. Right, right. Yeah, that was that's tricky. Very smart of you to do that, to not make that decision. I, I just knew I didn't want to end up divorced. <laughs> I mean that, that still might happen, but I don't want the business to be the reason. <laughs> will, will you also uh, try to keep your your child or any future children out of the business as well, or is that... yeah. no? Put his ass to work, <laughs> <laughs> free labor. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, my kid, he's now he's almost two. Uh, 
Yeah, I would suggest him do something totally different. <laughs> well, people always say restaurant industry is the hardest industry. So hard. Is that why you'd want to keep him out of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's another thing. Like, I, I there's like different levels of it now. I and then I've seen it because I'm not like a, I'm not like a. I didn't apprentice at famous chef's restaurant. I didn't, uh, you know, go to culinary school. Right. Like these are literally my family's recipes and recipes I made with my family, and now we're doing it at a restaurant or at a, at a food truck and at a restaurant. Um, I'll never be part of like that cool chef's culture. Culture, yeah. uh, and you know, like David Chang or or any of those cool chefs. But I feel like that's so much just marketing and branding themselves. <laughs> it, it, in a sense, it is. And, and right, in a sense, it very much is. Because you could is. be that. Be like, I'm bringing these authentic recipes from Thailand. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Play it all up. Right, but I, I'll never belong in that club. Uh-huh. You know? But I feel like with a right PR agency, you could. Right, I put guess. On the, put on the Buddhist robe, right? <laughs> a Buddhist, a Buddhist robe with a with an apron, like a cool, dinner, yes, like a cool hipster mm-hmm. uh, cook it, chef's apron. Totally, it, it is interesting that there's even a term celebrity chef these days. Right, like that was growing up. That was never. It was. It wasn't a cool thing to be a chef. Right, it wasn't. No, you were a cook. Yeah. <laughs> you were a cook. I mean, unless you, you know, I mean, I think that's because of the food Food Network and and yeah. food TV, you know. Yeah, reality yeah. TV. Yeah, food TV. Yeah, reality TV. All these shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I'm really curious about this, I've never been to Thailand, but I've always wanted to go. See, we gotta go. Really? I yeah. would go with you. Let's go. Let's do a group <laughs> trip. I did a group trip in 2008 with like seven other friends. Yeah, and it was a blast. Yeah. Uh, that sounds really fun. I yeah. Mean, once you get there, it's very inexpensive. Right. right? The, the the ticket to get there is a little expensive, but yeah, you're right. You're, the dollar goes a long way there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah, I like that. Once you get there. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, what were you going to say? But um, it's not particularly like, uh, is it a deeply Buddhist culture? Yes, so they say. Yeah. yeah. But you still have, you know, a lot of political turmoil going on there. And, and you know, the... The elected government has been overthrown, like the you know at least twice in the past three years alone. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's overthrowing them? Not the Buddhist monks, <laughs> <laughs> right? Not the Buddhist monks. They're too hungry to uh, do that, <laughs> right? Uh, we want two meals a day. <laughs> <laughs> They're fighting for their rights. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. There, there's two. There's two sides. They, they, one side calls themselves the red shirts. The other side calls themselves the yellow shirts. It's like the Bloods and Crips. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the yellow shirts are more of like the conservatives. Uh-huh. And the red shirts are more liberal. And, and the red shirts have been in, in power for a good number of years, mm-hmm. to much to the dismay of the yellow shirts. What, they just want to change things about the system there? Who's they? The Republican? The yes. yellow shirts? Right. The yellow shirts basically had a, you know, had a coup. And, and now the yellow shirts were, are, are very aligned with the king of Thailand and the, the military. So now King? They, yeah. Is it a democracy? It, it is. Well, they have a prime minister. Well, uh-huh. now they don't. Now they have an appointed, uh, you know, leader, junta. Uh, he... Uh, they have a junta there that, that he's an appointed. He appointed himself the leader right now, and he says he's going to have an election. But who knows when that? He just happen. appointed himself, and people are like, "Okay." Kind of. It it was fighting, a lot of fighting, but mm-hmm. uh, and they threw uh, 
Donald Trump should try that. It might work. Yeah, he kind of is. <laughs> I'm going to appoint myself president. <laughs> right. That's what he's hoping for. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it, Thailand uh, politically, you know, in the past three years has pushed itself back probably 30 years. Do you feel a connection to it? I did when my uncle was alive. Uh, I did a lot more because he was very much into red shirt activism and, and always keep me up to date. Right. Uh, he passed away only five months ago or six months ago. Okay. So it, it, I, I used to feel a lot more connected with that because he would just email me links and, and be like, Oh, look at this craziness or look how stupid this is. Right. You know, but, uh, I haven't been back to Thailand, uh, I guess in two years, but two. I hope to next year. Mm-hmm. But I want to go on a group trip if you want to come. I do. <laughs> I'm totally down. Yeah. Anyway. But I don't know if I could handle six uh, weeks in the Buddhist temple. <laughs> we won't go for that. I, I don't have that much time. Yeah. <laughs> did you, when you go back, do you always go back and visit the Buddhist temple? Uh, the last time I did not, but I have before, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I hear I things went. can get pretty hedonistic over there as well. <laughs> Where? In Thailand. In Thailand? Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's there's that part of Thailand as well, and and. There's just there's so many things to do in Thailand. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun, and the food is really good. Yeah, a friend of mine <laughs> would go every. He'd go and visit every year. He's a, he was a musician, also a musician. He'd go every year, and he met uh, a Thai woman, and he just ended up like buying or renting them a two bedroom apartment or a one bedroom apartment for like barely any American dollars, and really? she lives there, and he has a Thai girlfriend that he just really goes and yeah. I don't know. I don't know how detailed Wait. I should get with their relationship, but yeah, That's it's, fine. it's yeah, a commodity relationship. Okay, you know, it's a relationship built on commodity. Sure, a little bit. There's there's things like that going on all over. I mean, it's still you know as as developed as it seems. It's Thailand is still a third world country. You know, it is, huh? Yeah, yeah. Why? What makes it a third world country? I just I think the whenever I hear that term, I always feel like it's like an American term that's kind of condescending. Well, I mean, the, just the infrastructure is not there. And certainly, like, you know, if your government's being overthrown, you know, a few times in the past three years, like, not a good it's just not stable, you know? Right. Uh, a lot of corruption, you know, a lot of things that, you know, there's not a lot of rules mm-hmm. or they just make up the rules as they go kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, it always kind of blows my mind when you hear of a country just all of a sudden their money collapse. Right. All of a sudden, their money's no good anymore. Their money's just, yeah, it's just worthless. Yeah. Well, that hasn't happened. There, <laughs> I mean, so. like in Thailand, if if I wanted to open a, a restaurant in my house, I just put a sign up and start cooking for people. You no, know, no, no permits, no, right. no nothing. If, no regulations. If I, if I wanted to start a food truck in Thailand, I would just buy a truck and start cooking food out of it and selling it. You know. Yeah. Here, you need permits, you need licenses, mm-hmm. you need insurance, you need. You know, all these things. You mm-hmm. know? So that's that's just one of the differences, you know. Is all this stuff making you, like, very politically active? <laughs> no, I don't have time to be politically active. Yeah. <laughs> I just have, I have, I basically have three businesses to run every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And raise a child. And raise, yeah, right, raise a toddler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, seems like a lot of stress. Super, look at how much white hair I have now. <laughs> Gary, when I met you, yeah. I had hair like you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we all it's used all to black. have hair like Gary. <laughs> <laughs> right. We all aspire to have hair like but, you. Well, yeah, well, 
now it looks like you've been president of the United States for a couple of years. <laughs> it's aged you right, quickly. I've, aged, I've definitely aged a lot in the past three years. Well, it's such a difference going from the Buddhist temple to what you're doing now. Well, right. I mean, it's not like I went straight from the Buddhist temple to <laughs> to owning a business. And that would be a tough transition. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be super culture shock. Do, is your staff, do you hire Asians or Thai people to keep it seemingly authentic? I... Is it's, that something you thought about? It's about half and half. Okay. Um, it's half Thai, half Latino. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And if someone, let's say, like myself, walks in and I ask for a fork, mm -hmm. do you guys make fun of me in the back? A fork? Yeah. No, we'll give okay. you a fork. Okay. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm not that gifted with chopsticks. I try. No. I always feel when I ask for a fork, especially with rice, that they're like in the back. Like, no, and actually, you know, we... No, we would not make fun of you. In fact, we we prefer if you just take it and leave. Like that's the food. Kind of, you, the you, food, right? The white people. You want us to take our food and leave? <laughs> uh, all people, actually, because you know, I you know, the place is pretty small. It, it's kind of more of a takeout place. We do have seats and and two tables mm -hmm. and counter space, but you know, I kind of modeled it like the truck. You know, people uh, come okay. up, order the food, it's and a walk-in truck, it, eat it somewhere else. Yeah, uh -huh. and and that's kind of like. I mean, not that I would chase you out. You're welcome to sit down and eat it there. <laughs> but that's what I kind of prefer. Oh, okay. You just order or we deliver it to you. Okay. You know? you're, you're good with chopsticks, right? Sure. Is the fork just a better tool than chopsticks, though? Uh, yes, no. Or am I just not good at chopsticks? I think you're just not good at chopsticks. What can a, chops what can a set of chopsticks do that a fork can't? Mm. It can... A set of chopsticks do that a fork can't. <laughs> I think it sounds like the beginning of a pun. Right? <laughs> joke. Yeah, uh, is it haiku? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It doesn't look as cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've tried with chopsticks, and sometimes I get it good, but sometimes I feel like it's giving me carpal tunnel syndrome. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I've I've been using it since I was a kid, so yeah, it it doesn't really make a difference to me, and actually. I only use chopsticks if it's like a noodle soup. Mm. If it's just like noodles, I'll use a fork. Because mm -hmm. you're Americanized. Cause I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Americanized now. Yeah. So do you miss playing music? That's how I met playing music. I. Because you watch an excellent songwriter. Oh, I've, thank I've you. seen you perform back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember uh, you guys sharing a show. We've shared many shows. shows. Yeah, yeah, many shows. I do miss. I do miss playing with friends. Um, I, I I don't miss like booking gigs and like trying to get everyone's schedules together yeah. for practice and and getting to a show and lugging stuff. But yeah. I miss I miss practicing with friends and and playing shows with friends. Um, I I don't really play guitar as often anymore, but I I, I do play ukulele every day. <laughs> you go across yeah. the street? <laughs> well, no, I already had a ukulele before uh -huh. the shop opened. Yeah. Um, but my son loves, you know, loves hearing me play ukulele. And he do you actually, sing to him as well? I do. And now he's starting to sing back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. And he loves playing the ukulele as well. Can he sing on key? 
No, he's totally off key. Would you slap him and tell him to get the hell on key? <laughs> right. I'm like James Brown. I find him. Yeah. <laughs> or like Joe Jackson. You yeah. just raise him like oh, the Jacksons. Charles, you're flat. That's $50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want your kids talented, mess them up real good, right? <laughs> right. Can certain children just uh, naturally sing on key or is it something yeah. you have to learn? Yeah. No. They I'm, can just mimic sounds and. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some kids, they're just born with it. Okay. A gift to you sing just, right on key. Right. Without even knowing what the hell they're my, doing and how impressive that is. My kid is definitely off key. But I'll, I mean, he's only one and a half, so. Yeah, he just learned to use his vocal cords. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just started to learn words. Right. <laughs> so if he's still off key by three, I'm going to start finding him. At least he could talk. I mean, <laughs> at least he can talk. He loves picking up the ukulele and playing. Mm-hmm. He really does. Well, it's good that you're still playing music because I feel like a lot of people, when they quit, not only music, but any art form, they forget the reason that they started it. Right. And that's to blow off some steam. Right. Well, know. I, exactly. And, and I miss, I miss sitting down and getting really into a song that you just wrote out, mm-hmm. of, out of thin air, you know? Yeah. I miss that part of it as well. I mean, I've, but there's struggle to it too to finish the song. That's true. That's true. I bet you don't miss that. <laughs> I don't miss that. But I've also realized that the best songs that anyone writes, I guess, just comes quick. Right. You know, and if you if you have to really think about it, or it takes too long to complete, then then maybe there's a reason for it. I don't but know. did that ever happen? Did you ever have a whole song come to you from beginning to end? I think once in my life. Yeah. 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 I feel like I've had, I don't even know if I've had a complete one come. Right. You mean lyrics and everything? No. Yeah, no, definitely not lyrics and everything. No. But even like all the changes and everything. Only once that happened. And was it one of your better songs? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is like that a lot of times, the ones that just come quickest. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been writing on the ukulele. I want to do a dad album. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you are you down? A dad album? Yeah, it's not going to be like kid songs, uh-huh. so much as it's song for be dads. Like, yeah. I know you're stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> you right. want to beat your kid? I, I want to have a ukulele album, but like full band, but ukulele, no guitars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it'll be about being a dad. I have about five songs written. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I don't have full lyrics. But I have about five songs. Is it all dads on ukes? <laughs> no, but I, well, I want it to be full band. I mean, we could use maybe a uke bass. Have you seen the uke basses? No, there's that exists. Dude, you, got, you guys got to come check out this uke. Store, all right, yeah. They have uke banjos. So, like, I don't know how to play banjo, uh-huh. but I know how to play ukulele. So when I play the uke banjo, it sounds like I'm playing a banjo. For, for oh, like cool. a, a uke bass, is the the tuning different? Uh, yeah, uh, it's like, like yeah, what makes it is it just a small with like heavy strings or? it's heavy strings okay. uh my friend and they're usually fretless okay um yeah you guys gotta check out this well this store. is like a whole afternoon now this is like getting good thai food yeah and going to play ukes across the street yeah dude you should go on a business with the ukulele <laughs> It's like, it's not just a meal, it's an experience. Right. I mean, it's an awesome store. 
You should check it out. That's cool. Oh, it's, <laughs> and it's directly across the street from my restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So you are still playing music. You're still... I, I, I'm still playing ukulele. Yeah. Do you find that gets some of your stress out? Just yeah. singing and playing? It does. Mm-hmm. It does. I, I sometimes like, you know, I'll get lost in it and my wife will be like, hey, <laughs> like, let's, you know, get going. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how I am, kind of. Yeah. You get really <laughs> focused on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly if I'm like writing a part, I'm like, whoa, this is cool. It sounds really awesome on you. <laughs> yeah. So what are you thinking of doing? The catering is doing well. And yeah. it's how much time is left in winter? Not that much. Right. We're almost we almost six made weeks, it. maybe. Yeah, we almost made it out of winter. Right. And then I imagine the the truck does very well when it's warm. Yes. I mean our our season is coming up. And then you get in the food cart. Hopefully, yeah, in in the in the summer, end of summer, mm-hmm. that can start. Do you guys participate in like the the food truck rallies that that happen? We I used to, uh, and then they started just wanting too much money to be a part of it. Uh. So now we'll only do like you know events or private events during the summer. Like we're gonna be we're gonna be doing EDC, which is the the electric music dance thing. Uh huh. Cool. We were just accepted to that yesterday. Oh, right, because you could take the trucks to concerts and events right. and all kinds so, of stuff. Right, we've been invited to go there in their mm-hmm. VIP tent, whatever that means, and we'll be selling there nice. on May 14th and 15th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do Afropunk every year, which is another festival in in August. Is that more fun, to just do something different there? Yeah, it's a lot of fun yeah. doing those kinds of events, just seeing the people. And, 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 you know, Afropunk, we've been there three years in a row now. And, uh, yeah, it's always really cool. I think Afropunk is one of the cooler festivals in the city mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah, there's a lot of festivals. Northside Festival, maybe you can get in on that. Right, too. actually, we just got an email about that. So we'll probably be there. Mm-hmm. Do they, they charge you for access to it? Some, Yeah, most of these events do charge, yes. Of course. Yeah. Everyone's looking to monetize where they can, right? Right, and you think, oh, you know, people don't, and that's another thing people don't think about, like, oh, I'll just go to Smorgasburg and mm-hmm. sell my food there. Well, you know, they charge a pretty hefty amount just to mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. So that, you know... Will you cover that amount, you know, right. selling your food? You're taking the gamble. Right. And you still have yeah, to. I think in general, the, the average person doesn't respect the amount of work it is to run a business, right. whatever kind of business. Or the it is cost. Not, and, yeah, and, you no, know, right, exactly. I don't mean to interrupt, but, okay. you know, we live in a time now where, you know, a bad Yelp review can ruin you, you know, or a yes. bad tweet or anything can, like, knock yeah. down something you've worked so hard for. And people will just see it as a blip, as like, oh, this place sucks because, you know, it got this bad review from this guy or right. someone. Yeah. Someone complained about it. And, and the tough thing with that is that people don't Yelp, for example, when it, everything's fine. It's either, it's the extremes. It's <laughs> right. the, the best night of their life when, you know, they proposed to their wife and, and had some great noodles. Right. Or, you know, they just didn't get what they wanted. But, right. But the large percentage of people that go into any business are just satisfied but not moved enough to remark about it. Right. And, and yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like, no comment is, is something I'd, I'd love. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have nothing bad to say or good to say, then we've done our job. You know, like, I don't know why it's become, like, every meal has to be this mind-blowing experience. Right. <laughs> you know, now foodies who have an opinion about food, yeah. you know, every, every meal needs to be photographed and... and mind-blowing and like oh this tastes so good just have a look at it on my, right. on my instagram you know like i didn't open a restaurant to blow people's minds you know i, I wanted to just 
Fill their tummies. Yeah, fill their tummies with good food that I grew up eating. And that's it. You know, I'm not trying to, 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 you know. It is something to keep in mind with. It is something to keep in mind with Yelp reviews. Like anger motivates people more than satisfaction. That's for sure. And, and, you know, it's funny, like when you see people and we've generally had good reviews on Yelp, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I'll see people who like have like 350 reviews on Yelp. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and even if they give me a good review. I'll see that because we get emails from Yelp for each review. Every time you get a review, yeah, right? like, oh, you've you've been you've been reviewed, right? So sometimes I'll see, check it if I have time. Sometimes can like, well, you respond to reviews? You can, but then that's a slippery opening slope. Opening a can of worms, right? exactly. And I don't. Then that's why I choose to not. I like no, I'm not yeah. going to do that. Uh, I, I see other Yelp people doing that, or other businesses doing that. It's just like then I would spend all day like writing these people, right? Um, but you know, even someone with like multiple reviews that like, give us a good review, I'm like, are you? Aren't you doing anything else? Like, if you have, if you have over 350 Yelp reviews, yeah, that's a lot of time to be sitting down just yeah. writing about other people's businesses. They think they're actually like critics, <laughs> right? They yeah. think that you know, you think that they were getting paid. Yeah, I don't know. Now more than ever in our history, people have a voice. Yes, and which pe- is, some people shouldn't have a voice. Yeah, right, <laughs> that's a problem to the detriment of society. Seriously, everyone has a voice. I think a lot of people should just shut up. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, which is why I think that like Yelp or any of these review sites, or when you comment on anything, it should have your name yeah. and your phone number. Dep- you know? Yeah, that's why a lot of people now link uh, comment sections to Facebook because uh-huh. you're getting so many just random stupid comments, and yeah. at least someone people are somewhat responsible. Right. Because it links right to your Facebook. So. It, yeah, it's, it should have your yeah your picture, your name, and maybe your phone number. Yeah, and your friends and your employers are <laughs> yeah, all yeah. right there. Your right. place of work. That way you can go into some guy and judge him on <laughs> right. what he's doing all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> you find it, you hunt down your Yelper, your Yelp reviewer. It's just amazing, though, that people spend so much time like reviewing Yeah, when they're not getting paid to do so. Oh, totally. Um, for mic swap for my app, mm. we had this review. This guy gave it like one star, mm. and I got so caught up in it, man. Like Did I you? found him, yeah. Oh no! And uh, his review wasn't even something that was true. He like trashed it and wrote this nasty thing, and it wasn't even true. It was like, no, dude, it's not what you're saying. Yeah. And I went and I found him and I responded to him like privately, and then he really? made that public. <laughs> He made that public? Yes. Of course he like did, because he's, he's a troll. Yeah, he's a troll. <laughs> then I was like, oh, I get it. Don't feed the trolls. Mm-hmm. Don't feed the trolls. Literally, you know, we opened a, our restaurant, and a week later, we got our first Yelp review, a one-star review oh. by this one girl who had four other reviews, and she said we were too expensive. Our, our lunch special at, at 8.50 was too expensive. Oh, that six, She could get 6.50 in, in Manhattan. <laughs> and she gave us a one star review and it's like you know our very first review right you know so that leaves a mark you know yeah. what i mean like if, if the first thing you see is a one star review for yeah. something that just opened mm-hmm. that you know that could have really hurt us and who knows if that did or not you know well a lot of companies buy yelp reviews now i mean you probably know this, but you can just buy a bunch of five star reviews from people right right you can just People like that guy that had 300 reviews. He's like pretty legitimate. He could probably sell some reviews to people. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Which is totally shady. And which why, I mean, Yelp is just ridiculous. That's the thing with the internet is that you can buy anything. You could buy YouTube plays. 
You could right. buy all kinds of Twitter followers. Right. Any, anything could be purchased. Yes. For five bucks on Fiverr.com. <laughs> Do you know about Fiverr.com? No, no. It's crazy. It's five bucks. You can get anything you want. Really? Yeah. You could probably buy Yelp reviews on Fiverr, but I don't know if I'd do that for your business. No, I, I just, I, I hate Yelp. I don't want to deal with that. They call me literally every day, Yelp. Trying to sell you ad space or whatever. Trying to sell me ad space at $350 a month, mm-hmm. six months at a time. Yeah. It's like, do you, you know, I'm trying to run a business. You think I have that money to just give to Yelp? Are other restaurants, you think, trying to sabotage you? Or does everyone mm. welcome the competition? That that's that's kind of like an unspoken thing. If they are trying to sabotage you, they'll, they'll never openly admit it. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you feel a com- competitiveness, or is it like mm, not so much? I mean, uh, and certainly with the food trucks, uh, there's kind of like a camaraderie amongst most trucks, unless you get off on the wrong foot and try to steal someone's spot parking spot. Uh huh. Right. Um, is it like a respect thing? Like, oh, that person's been here for years in that spot. It used to be more of that, and and when I first came into the scene on the on the truck, I would be very aware of like whose corners were, right. whose territory I was in. Well, it's like that for busking in the subway. There's certain Is people it? that's their spot. They've sure. been there for years, and no one touches it. Right, and then yeah, but now it seems like the newbies now they don't care, or they don't. The new generation. It. The new generation. They don't <laughs> care. They just want to get a spot. Whoever gets there first. Whoever gets there first. Right. Every man for himself. How do you teach like old prince, old school principles to new school kids that don't care? You just be a real dick, I guess. Yeah. And, and try to show up even earlier the next week you right. know, or the next day. Yeah. Cause it's not a written law. They'd be like, whatever, that's your old school principles. We don't right. Have to well, that's another thing. Like we have, we have a spot we don't even tweet about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a spot that I found. Before I had a truck, I was like, if I have a truck, I'm going to park it here. Uh-huh. Um, and we've been going there for two and a half years. And uh, I I don't even tweet about it because I don't want other trucks showing up. Now, two years in, trucks are starting to know about that area. Yeah. And and we only go there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's uh, it's on 99th and Madison uh, oh, in wow. the city. And uh, we go there Tuesdays and Thursdays. But we don't tweet about it. It's the only spot we don't tweet about uh-huh. um, because of the other trucks. Now, other trucks now have caught on to this or people who have friends that have trucks or whatever work there. Or, right. It's right near Mount Sinai Hospital. So you, there's enough uh, foot traffic. The, right. There's enough foot traffic there. And, and we had it really good there for two years. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody bothered us. Yeah. We could get, show up as late as we want. Nice. You know, uh, and still do business. Now, or recently, other trucks are starting to show up on days that we're there, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But, you know, it's not so much the competition I'm worried about. I want our spot. You know, you could park down the street. You could park on the corner. Yeah. Just don't take our spot. Mm-hmm. Because, I was wondering, you know, we'll still crush you because we've been there for two <laughs> years. We have our regulars. And, you know, that you're not, we're not worried about your food right. taking away from us. Right. You know, I just want to be able to have a, my spot to park to sell do the restaurants ever give the truck shit like what if i see a constantly ta- right a lot of times i'll see a taco truck in uh-huh. front of a mexican place right and i feel bad for the restaurant because i got to pay rent and everything and here's right i mean and that's funny because now i have a restaurant yeah and you know if if another thai truck parked in front of my restaurant sure i would have a problem with that what do you do uh what do you do you, you could, can't do anything legally right legally no i mean you, you could call the cops you could say 
the the sidewalk's not 12 feet mm. wide. It has to be 12 feet wide. Uh-huh. So they have to get out of here. This is not a parking spot. Nice. For a truck. Mm. This is a, you know, it has to be 12 feet wide, uh, 20 feet from the entrance of a subway. There's all these ridiculous all rules. All these rules that you know about now. Right. And uh, or you could call the health department on them or something, you know. Right. So you don't so, have to come out with a bat and just start bashing things. I mean, I, I could come out with a bat and look like a crazy person, you know. <laughs> truck ain't I, so pretty no more. Right. I, I think the Buddhist monk you study with. <laughs> I could come out and look like a lunatic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that might work, but then I would get a reputation. Come out chanting like a monk with a bat. <laughs> I'm to beat you. <laughs> right. I've come so far. Just, uh, just don't do it. You know, like... You know, even even it doesn't even have to be a Thai food truck. I mean, like, if I parked my truck in front of a pizza shop, mm-hmm. that pizza right. shop would have a problem with me, you know. Any restaurant. Any restaurant. Yeah. They don't like trucks. Restaurants hate trucks. Have you dealt with that? Not at my restaurant yet. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of funny because I'm a, I am came from the mobile vending world. Right. So, you know, would I be pissed at a truck if they parked across the street? In a way, Yes. If you're there while I'm open, then yes. Right. Come when I'm not open, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you swap food with other trucks. All the time, yeah. All the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, that must be nice. Free, yeah, you get free food. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. You don't have to eat you... the food you're preparing all day. Right. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Wow, well, we've covered a lot. Have we? Yeah. Yeah, I think we went. We started from now and went all the way back to your music days and in, in your days in Thailand. Well, we yeah, I guess we have. We didn't talk about what I did. I mean, not, not that I... What I did between then when I worked in a hospital. Right. In an in a operating room. But yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did that right. for 11 years before I opened a food uh, truck. I, I remember that. I, I used yeah. to be a surgical tech, and I mm. would pass instruments to the surgeons during surgery you've seen some really gnarly surgeries yes in 11 years i definitely saw some gnarly stuff i could see why you'd want to change businesses <laughs> change careers well that wasn't why but yeah I, I don't i'm still not sure what made me decide to go out on my own mm-hmm. so i was you know living you know and i and i say it to my manager and my i, I joke about it with my wife you know i went from uh you know, nine to five job, steady paycheck. Making decent money, right? Making pretty good money. Yeah. You know, $30 an hour to, uh, you know, working 24 <laughs> seven with who knows how much money I take home at the end of the week. Right. You know, well, they say that, you know, for some reason, a lot of people think that when you have a job, it's more steady than working for yourself, but it's not really that way because when you're working for yourself, you're your own, you're in control of your destiny where your job can be like, oh, his budget cuts back. So right. We got to let you down. <laughs> right, right. So you're in control of your own destiny. I hope boss. to think that I am. <laughs> as much as the customers keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> but you're in more control than just having a boss that could fire you for whatever reason. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Well, you are still married, so. I'm still married. So that can, that <laughs> I can happen. Have, right. I don't have to listen to anyone else. No one else is bossing me around, so that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from watching all those surgeries, I bet you cut those uh, meat, cut those animals pretty precisely. <laughs> pretty precise, sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't get grossed out very easily. Wait, is that is that at odds with Buddhism? What's that? Eating meat? Certain, I mean, certain interpretations yeah mm-hmm. uh not not where i was practicing not where i i studied or not at the monastery that i was at 
it's okay to eat meat. It's okay. Yeah, if if that's what you were given in your alms bowl, right? Then that's what you would eat because you need eat to live. Right. As long as you're not actively killing the animal, mm-hmm. that's what you were given, or that's what you were. So you just fed. appreciate whatever you're right. Right. I you're see. just grateful that someone came, and that reciprocates good karma to them that right. they kept you know a monk alive or. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you'd so be you'd be way. asking for alms, but like whispering under your breath, meat, meat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, you don't ask. That's another thing. Oh, okay. Monks never ask, and we you walk silently, and you only stop in front of houses that are, you know people are waiting for you. Uh-huh. And then when they give you food, then you do a chant for uh-huh. them, and then you continue. So there's no speaking actually. When we would walk in groups of three, the chant is like medium rare, medium rare, <laughs> medium rare. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> pork chicken, pork, pork chicken. <laughs> yeah, no, like Side of potatoes. Like, yeah, the monks weren't talking to each other. Like, don't go to that house. They have, they make terrible uh, roast, <laughs> right. roast chicken. <laughs> yeah, you fight over your arm, your arms route. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, none of that was going on. That's so you're walking barefoot in the streets, like uh, silent. <laughs> Right, but I mean that must be one of the few real pleasures is eating food. In a way, but you're it's not almost it's it's not when you're there you're not supposed to take pleasure in it. Mm-hmm. You're there you eat you don't eat till you're stuffed. You eat till you've you know had your fill and that you can be okay for the rest of the day. What if there's more food than you can eat? Um then usually that would just go to the people who are around the temple who are keeping it clean and you okay. know, like the people who would assist the temple. Right. So that that food would go to them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's so fascinating. <laughs> it's a totally different life, yeah. Totally different life. <laughs> but in a way it's so liberating because you're not dealing with all this human stuff. In a way, but you are still cuz you're you're still a human. Mm-hmm. You're still, you know, have human thoughts and distractions and, and it's just trying to to control those distractions or, or at least control your focus. Right. Well, our yeah. focus right now is like paying that bill, getting this done, accomplishing right. this. Right. Yeah. And What's and, next? What's next? Right. What's next? And how am I going to come up with the money to pay this? Or mm-hmm. and, and as a business owner, it's like, okay, you're worried about the quality of your product. You're worried about, you know, are your employees happy? Mm-hmm. Or are you making enough money to pay the bills? You know, or is, you know, or is someone stealing from you? Is, right. You know, is, a is lot of restaurants so are many. cash businesses. Right. So, yeah, they put in those micro systems, uh-huh. right? Micros or POS systems. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I recently installed one on the truck. Uh-huh. Um, and we, of course, we use that as at the restaurant as well. Right. Well, so you know, we we got broken into uh, about two months ago. What did the truck or the restaurant? The restaurant. Someone broke into the restaurant. Someone broke into the restaurant. That's yeah. a hungry burglar. Why would you yeah. do break into a restaurant? Uh, I mean, they were looking for a safe or something. Uh, apparently, I I had security cameras that were running. Uh huh. And and caught it was like three guys, and apparently the you know the police officer who saw the video was like they've been looking for these three guys for a long time now mm-hmm. and what they do is because since we're on the corner these guys were hitting the side entrances of of businesses and looking for a safe or a cash box or something uh-huh. uh, we don't keep anything like that in in our restaurant right luckily because i live down the street i just take all the cash to my house right or anything that's left you know yeah that's that's dangerous too though you know if that's they, if dangerous they as well kind of see what's going on there yeah scratch do, that i'm moving <laughs> <laughs> gotta do that bank drop <laughs> yeah um 
Right. Well, usually I'll then I'll go to the bank in the morning or whatever. Right. Um, it's, it's always not, scary. At there's night. nothing. We're not that successful of a restaurant yet. Right. So it's not like a whole lot of money we're talking about here. Right. <laughs> at eight fifty for a lunch special, you're not successful. <laughs> right. Did they catch the burglars? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. He probably would have called me if they did. Mm-hmm. But since then, I've installed even more cameras mm-hmm. because now seeing those cameras actually catch something, I wanted to see more about the restaurant. So now I have cameras like all over the place. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I can look at it on my phone before I couldn't. Right. In the bathrooms. <laughs> In <laughs> the <laughs> toilets. Yeah. <laughs> so you can watch employees too. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's been good as well because now I can kind of like keep track of who's doing what. Mm-hmm. Not so much to like catch someone doing something wrong, but just to make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. You know? Make yeah. sure like when you leave, they're not like, oh, cool, see what's gone. Let me sit around. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, I wish you much luck. Thanks. And hopefully people will hear this and come out. Yeah. yeah. 36, 3602 36th Avenue. In Astoria. Astoria. Come by. We're down the street from Studio Square Beer Garden. Have you ever been there? Uh, I've heard of it. It's it's a monstrosity, but uh-huh. they have a lot of beer and a lot of, you know, it's uh, huge. I is that come... different than the Bohemian Beer Garden? That is different than the oh, Bohemian. So that's yeah, this a newer one. Newer I guess. one. Okay. It's more like it's more like sports oriented. Yeah. Um, they have huge screen sports stuff going on a lot of beer oh that sounds horrible it is horrible <laughs> in, in the summer it's terrible because they ha- they'll have like events and there's like no parking right in yeah. my neighborhood but above it uh we work which is this company that share, yeah, office share. yeah they're building three floors of we work above studio square oh it's wow. going to be open this summer and it's going to completely change the neighborhood oh, that's going to really be good for your restaurant that's that's what i'm hoping yeah it, it would completely change the neighborhood if that happened they're, they're building 750 office spaces. Well, I think you sounds like you're in a good location for the long run. For the right, long I just have to get there. Yeah. Like if I don't, you know, go out of business before the WeWork opens, <laughs> <laughs> then hopefully it'll be good for us. Right. You know, that whole neighborhood, and I think New York City in general, but, you know, I don't want to keep going too long, but in that neighborhood, Long Island City, Astoria, around us, mm-hmm. I counted at least 15 buildings being built. Yes. Just within like a two-mile radius. Yeah, no. <laughs> in New York City and the surrounding areas are doing very well. I mean, Crazy. This and area I just don't know where people are getting the money to move into these places or buy these places, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's like nobody I really know. <laughs> I think property's just pretty much always been going up here. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. No matter what the economy looks like, it just still goes up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But where are these people coming from? Europe. Europe. Maybe VC investors. Venture capitalists just buying all. Oil money. (laughs) Could be. Just huge corporations buying stuff. Yeah. Really crazy. Having someone manage it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. We'll see. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming to do this, Siwa. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.